You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back to the Man Coverage Podcast. My name is Mike Payton of Pride of Detroit. We got another great guest for you this season. Uh, having a lot of fun on this show, by the way. I hope everybody else is having fun listening to it. But uh, we got a guy on today who I consider a, a, a friend, a dear friend, as Stephen A. Smith would say about just about anything. Uh, he's a very dear friend of mine. Uh, <laughs> I've got Mr. Eric Schlitt of Lions Wire on the show today. Eric, thank you for coming on. Uh, thank you, man. My dear friend, Mike. Uh, we go back. We go back, uh, boy, five, I want to say like five, six years now, it feels like. Uh, yeah. So. Um, yeah, I would say I would say so. Yeah, it's uh, I, I enjoy what you do. Uh, you've got a lot of uh, you got a lot of nice guests this year. I'm, uh, I'm very humbled to be included in your guest list. Oh, man. Well, you know, I only picked the best. I only picked the superstars <laughs> out there. <laughs> And, uh, you know, you're right. Uh, you and I, we both kind of came in at the same exact time, it, it seems like. And, uh, you know, we both kind of came in uh, mysteriously, out of the darkness, <laughs> if you will. Yeah. I I feel like nobody knows anything about us. And uh, so that's why we got you on the show today, because you you are, you know, while you and I are friends and, and we've been able to uh, hang out with each other at camp and go to lunch and all that good stuff, I you're still somewhat of a mystery to me. So Eric, let's, let's kind of start it off at the beginning a little bit here. Okay. Uh, where, where are you from? And um, you know, how big, how big has the lion's been in your life? Yeah, I, um, I grew up in the area uh, in the uh, suburbs of Detroit and um, I was uh, I was a late bloomer to the Lions. I uh, started out my, as a young kid playing a lot of soccer, and um, uh, my my dad liked college football, and so I, I really I really grew into that. And um, when uh, he when we used to watch like Michigan games against USC, uh, I, I I really fell in love with this guy Rodney Pete that played at USC. And when he was drafted to the Lions, uh, my curiosity followed. And that was the same year Barry Sanders was drafted. And so it was a very – that was kind of my transition into, like, being a Lions fan full time. Um, Before that, it was – you know, it was fun. It was was not anything as intense as it was. But when – I always like to say my my curiosity with the – like, with the NFL draft all started with Rodney Pete because this was a good college quarterback and he was drafted in the sixth round and it, and it surprised me. I was like, so I didn't understand at the time, why did a college quarterback who was so successful in the college quarterback, why wasn't he projected to be successful in the NFL? I didn't understand the the differences in the game, I guess. And so that's really where my, uh, where my knowledge base came from. I wanted to be able to understand, you know, what's the difference, what are the nuances? And then my, uh, you know, my OCD just kind of took me down the path of trying to learn as much as I could, as fast as I could. 
And uh, yeah, I've been a fan since then. Yeah, that's the interesting thing about uh, now. Are you diagnosed OCD as well, or like, like I am? Or uh, no, no, I am not. No, but okay. it's there. I, you, you, <laughs> it's there. Um, yeah, it's. Um, I don't have the diagnosis. Uh, they tried. So I, I had some other diagnoses because uh, I had some. Um, we've talked about this in the past. I've had. I had yeah. some learning disabilities in uh, in the middle school. Actually, identified in, in, in the elementary school. It kind of got uh, brushed over because that was what they did a lot at the time. And then um, when I started middle school, I started in remedial English, and it took me a long time. Uh, to work my way back up from that remedial English into like the general population again. Uh, it took me all of middle school, all three years of middle school. Uh, and then when I got into the um, the general population, I failed immediately. And um, then my second shot at English in the general ed was the uh, with the teacher who was also the yearbook uh, director, like she oversaw the yearbook. Right. And um it was more instead of it being just like a straight English types class, it was more like creative writing. Right. And so um, she saw something in the way that I approached writing that she liked. And I got an A in the class and she asked me to write for the yearbook. And it, and that was it was a real pivotal point in my in my life there, because I went from being a guy who when I was in third, I was always two years behind my reading level. Right. Always, always two years behind. And I, I did everything I could to try and catch up. But um, it wasn't until this teacher as a as a freshman in high school uh, gave me the confidence to, you know, basically say, hey, you're a good storyteller. And if you can break things down the way you do, then, you know, people are interested in that. And, and she gave me confidence. And, and then I once I got that confidence, I started to succeed. And so, um, you know, it's a, it was a big impact in my life and it, and it factored into like why I'm such a big believer in the schools. It's uh, probably factored into why, uh, I, I, you know, I married a teacher and like, there's, there's all these like, you know, dominoes that fall, um, based off, I think this, this main interaction where somebody finally gave me, uh, the confidence to, uh, to, uh, you know, get up to where I needed to be, uh, from an educational standpoint. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. Everybody has that teacher that uh, that sort of helped them get over um, some of their fears and some of their issues that they had. And for me, it was Miss Iker at Holland High School. I don't know if she listens to the show, but thank you, Miss <laughs> Iker, again. But uh, I, I like you. You know, I grew up with uh, with with learning disabilities as well. I, I I never made it to general population. I was always in special ed classes, which again, I don't think there's anything wrong with. I don't think you think there's anything wrong with that either. Nope. Obviously. Um, but I, I've noticed uh, through talking with other people who have some of the disorders that I have um, or similar disorders that, that there is a there is a mode that you can get into. And it's called hyper focus yeah. where you just can zoom in on something. Uh, for me, it's writing. And I think for you, it's probably writing as well, clearly from your story. So, I mean... It, I, I think that's sort of the the uh, the gift that that we have. I mean, there's a there's a burden that comes with the disability, but it's almost like having a a superpower, if you will, when you <laughs> when you think about what you can do with that hyper focus. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, I, it I, I it was it. a it was a big thing that led to um, like my quib, right? Like because I, I was always really good at numbers, uh, and, and I always had to really work 
at English, but the numbers just came naturally. And so when I started looking at like uh, my quib system, where I was trying to look at how numbers influence draft status and stuff, that um, I really went into a hyper focus then. Like I, I would lose days uh, on stuff like that because once you kind of go down that rabbit hole, it's hard to get you out. And and fortunately. It was at a time in my life when my my wife appeased that that side of the uh, the business for me, but um, it's it's a uh, that that you can get into that wormhole pretty quick. Like last night, I was uh, I put the kids to bed and then uh, I started just going through uh, just some coaching things, and then I look up and it's midnight, right? And so like that's just mm-hmm. when you start doing that research on something that you're passionate about, it's so easy to just get caught up in it, and the time just disappears around you for sure. Oh, absolutely. Uh, how how does how does it strike you? Because I know with me, uh, I, I will be sitting there watching TV. And an idea will come into my head and I've got to get it out. I got to get it out immediately. I have to unload this onto, onto the sheet and, and there's nothing that can stop me from doing it. I mean, the house could be burning down around me and I have got to finish this article. Uh, are you like that? Or do you think that you're a little bit more deliberate? Do you like to take your time? Do you like to flesh it out a little bit more? Well, uh, you know, I, I think I, I, once I had kids, I was forced to alter uh, the way that I focused on things. Right. And <clears throat> my kids, you know, when they need attention, they need attention immediately. And so um, I, I was definitely like that for, for a while where I just, I had to get it because my, my go-to when I would get into a, into a mode was just let me finish this thought. But the problem was, is that that thought led into another thought that I just had to finish. And that led into another thought that I just had to finish. And then that's how you end up writing a whole article when you're like, you know, when you're when you tell your wife, just, hey, one minute. And then you're mm-hmm. an hour later. Um, but, you know, I, I was I've been kind of forced into having a way to break. And um, what I've done is I've gone back to some of the things that I did uh, in school. And my dad is an engineer and he was he did a lot of things with me to try and get me organized and focused and uh, so that I could be successful. And so I used to have to make like lists, lists on lists. Right. And every day I had to write, I had to have a list of my classes and what did I do and what was my homework. And every day I had to give that to him. And it was just part of the process. And so what I found is that I start putting stuff into lists. And so I can, when I uh, have an idea, sometimes I can start writing it, but other, a lot of the time I have to just put it on a sticky notepad or put it in my Excel document. I, I have a living Excel document that basically I use for my, that I've kept for the last like four years. Of, and it has, I have a note uh, in a cell for every article I've ever written. Right. And it's still there because I don't, you know, it's just, it's this living entity that I, that I use. And so I'll put ideas into that and I'll say, or if something, if it's something that can be, you know, published, you know, a week from now or a couple of days from now, then I just, I log it into my little calendar that I pre-made in Excel. And so it's all, you know, you, you learn to break, but you still lean back on the, okay, I got to make these notes so that I don't forget it. Because if I don't make that note, it's just going to sit there. It's going to sit there. It's going to sit there until I actually like act on it. And that's kind of like my way of acting on, uh, on that idea. Yeah, I like that. That's uh, it's, that's intriguing. I, I enjoy the hearing that 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 process there and hearing other people's processes. Um, 
So, Eric, there's a mystery going around, and and I'd like to solve it right now. Yeah. How old are you, Eric? How old are you? <laughs> uh, I'm, I, I am 45. 45 years of age. Okay, I'm yeah. 35. Um, not a big deal. You don't look 45. You're good. No, You're good. no I don't. I've used it. I've used my my youthful looks to uh, to try and uh, hang out under the radar. But uh, it, when I reference things, my age starts to show here and there. A couple of people have figured it out. Um, yeah, I, I've typically kind of kept it under wraps because you know in this in this business, there's a I, I was so late into it that um, right. that there's almost all of the other guys are are younger than me, right? And so. Um, I'm going in with these other beat writers that are that are younger than me that have been around in the business a lot longer than me, and I'm looking to them for advice. And, it's, and so I don't, I, I'm not typically going out there saying, you know, um, hey, even though I'm your senior, uh, give me guidance on how I do this or that, or you know. So, but yeah, I, I, I definitely have some gray in my beard, and it's showing a lot more in this uh, in this quarantine state. <laughs> So, I mean, the, the reason I asked you that is because, well, A, people on Twitter seem really interested to know how old you are for some odd reason. And uh, I've noticed it quite a bit. Uh, but the other reason is, it is again, I think that you there's some parallels between the two of us where I came into this game at 29. I, I went to college for journalism and then I stuffed it away and, and worked retail and everything. I got fired yeah. from Lowe's and I said, now is the time. Um what, what what's your story? How did you how did you get into the game? So I mean, I think I think you were a school teacher at one point in time. I'm not sure. I'm not 100 percent sure. <laughs> yeah, I actually got my um, I actually had my master's in social work uh, from the University of Michigan, and um, after I graduated, I used that degree for a year, and then um, I ended up going into uh, the job I did in college and. Uh, I guess, elevating that, I guess I got more control over the job and, and it, it was, it was kind of like social work adjacent. And then, um, from there, uh, when I left there, I started as a, uh, substitute teacher just to try and like, you know, pay the bills in, in the, uh, during the off seasons of the, of my other job. And, um, I, I, I guess I gained like a little bit of a reputation. And then at the district that I worked in, if you were a substitute, you could teach a elective. Okay. And so I essentially uh, applied for one of these jobs and I got one. And then I held that job for uh, five years. Yeah. So about five years. And then um, <clears throat> from there, uh, I actually walked away from that uh, when my first child was born. And when I was with my first child at home, I, uh, I needed a hobby and I, on a, on a lark just decided to, uh, <laughs> apply to a, a website, a blog. And, and I, you know, it's where I, where I could uh, voice my, my ideas. And, uh, that's how I actually started writing. Now I had been writing for my buddies, uh, you know, for a decade. Right. And, and just, I put out newsletters and like silly fun stuff. Uh, but I didn't actually get serious about it until, uh, until my first daughter was born. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of crazy. You know, when you look back on when you started and I look back on when I started and I cannot believe, still can't believe that I'm here at this point. And, and you, <laughs> yeah. you know, we, you, you talked about a lot of the younger beat writers yeah. For them, it's just so it, for them, it's just so normal. Right. Yeah. It, you know, they expect not I don't want to say expect, but they're 
they're there, you know, they understand it. They they've been there for a while. Nothing is new or exciting to them anymore. But for me, it's like, or you, maybe I would suggest anytime I get to do it. I talked to Herman Moore last week. It's like, yeah, what the hell, man? (laughs) (laughs) Who, how did this even happen? You know, it's just stuff like that. Uh, Are you still feeling that way at all? Oh yeah, for sure. Because this is, yeah, like this is my second act, right? I spent, I, 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 you know, I had a job and I I was trying to use my degree and I, and I taught for a long time. And so then this is like my, my, you know, I'm, I'm not using my degree anymore, but, um, but this is, so this is, I was a fan for a long time before I got into this. And I did get into this just thinking it's a way for me to, um, put some ideas out there. I thought it would be cool to like, uh, you know, get, get published online. Uh, I just thought it was like something that would be fun. Um, basically it was like, I needed a hobby that I could stay at home with my, with my child and, uh, just something to keep me, uh, you know, occupied so that my entire focus wasn't on her. Right. And so, um, so I started writing just, you know, as, as kind of this little, like little thing. And then I interacted with, uh, a lot of the other bloggers like you and Kent and Alex, right. And, um, a lot of the guys at POD and, um, you know, I, I started to develop relationships and then from there it just kind of, it grows. And, and for me, it, it snowballed very fast, um, right. very fast. And I went from being a guy who was like, I don't know, like the third or fourth most important per- person at a, at a, at a, you know, as, at a website to now being cr- a credentialed member of the Lions within like two years. It was like, it was really fast for me. Um, it just, I, a lot of the right people opened the right doors for me and my, my, my work ethic. And, and I guess my, the ideas, some of the ideas that I had were uh, a bit out of the box or unique and, and that, you know, drew some people's attention and then it just, it just went. So, but because it went so fast, it, there are still some moments like that, like um, where, <clears throat> where I um, will see a guy like Herman Moore, Jason Hansen, the guys that I grew up watching, then I will still get a little bit starstruck, but I try and, you know, uh, I try and bite my tongue and look professional and, and I do my best to maintain that professionalism as, as much as I can. Now, right with the players that are on the current team, it's, it's very different because these are guys um, I'm not, not as, I guess, intimidated by the, by these guys as I am like the living legend guys. Right. Um, And so it's uh, there is still this fandom that, that comes into play when you see certain people. Um, Yeah. I mean, like, look, uh, I, I, I I listened to the the podcast with Jeremy and he talked about um, um, being like, um, Imposter syndrome. Thank you very much. That's exactly yeah. what I was looking for. The imposter syndrome, and and and, that, and that's a very real thing because in Jer- Jeremy, and my situations are are similar in a lot of ways, and so we are guys who are both fans who are both in the mix with the rest of the beat, and so we are constantly, uh, you know, looking to each other to say, hey, you know. Uh, you know, are, are we doing what we're supposed to do? And are we, uh, you know, are we, we're trying to make, we're trying to follow their guidelines, but also create our own path. And um, it's a, it's a challenging thing because you do, you, you do want to be professional and you do want to sell yourself as a beat writer, but at the same time, what got you here is you're a fan that, that writes uh, in a way that, that people want to read it. Right. And so, 
there, you don't want to move away from what got you here either. Right. And so I think having Jeremy alongside of me has really helped me embrace that, that the fact that I am a fan and I didn't, and I don't have to hide that. I don't have to put that, you know, off to the side because when I initially got credentialed, I went into it thinking, okay, I have to maintain professionalism. I have to pretend, I I have to pretend like I don't care. And for the first couple of months, that's kind of how I acted. Like, I, I, I didn't get high or too low when when things would happen. I tried to maintain my you know composure as a professional, but um, you know as things have evolved and I've seen uh, how Jeremy acts and I've talked with Jeremy and, and uh, you know I, I've I've learned to embrace more of uh, what's got me to this point and who I am. I, I've learned to be who I am more than um, you know trying to you know pretend to be somebody else that matches what the expectations are. Yeah, for me, it's it was the same thing. You know, uh, imposter syndrome is still a big part of of my everyday life in this in this job. I, I remember when I got that credential for the first time, it was like, "Are you sure like, <laughs> yeah. you're let you're really gonna let me in here? Do you know? Do you not know who I am or something?" It's like, <laughs> I, I I don't know. And, and I went into it with that same sort of professionalism as well as like I I need to act like I'm not a Detroit Lions fan, even though I am, I, and I love the team. And I, I it, it boiled down to like. You know, I have a I have a lion sticker on my truck. I'm like, gosh, should I take a different car? What if what if everybody sees <laughs> yeah. that I have this? Will they think that will will that make them not, you know, believe me as a reporter? Or I can't wear my lion's hat to to uh, camp or anything like that, you know, because everybody will think I'm, you know, a slappy or what have you. Yeah. So yeah, there there's there's some things that you gotta think about. But for me, the easiest thing was, you know, I cover a lot of the away games when I get a chance. Uh, they always sit me right in front of the front office. So I, I remember uh, my like the first game I or no the second game I went to was in Chicago. They sat me right in front of Bob Quinn, and Kyle Mikey came over and he said, "Hey, just so you know, you're going to be sitting in front of Bob Quinn. Just make sure that you, you know, hide everything and, and <laughs> act professional and like don't yell, don't scream or anything. Don't get too excited." Yeah, and uh, yeah. So he did all the yell. Bob Quinn did all the yelling and swearing for me. I don't know if you've heard him in the box or not, but he's he, he was he's got a potty mouth. That that Bob Quinn. <laughs> no, I, I haven't. I, I have not been in the same spot as uh, the Lions front office. I have been right in right behind the Packers front office several times, and that is something else. Uh, the game where uh, their kicker missed five field goals. I was live. I was live tweeting their reactions because it was just it was hilarious to watch. Um, and so it's it, it's very interesting because the press box is is quiet, right? And uh, and 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 Fort Field, it's an open uh, press box, so you're open to you can hear the crowd and everything like that, right? So if you do you know let out a, a cheer or um, you know, you do clap or something like that. It, it gets muffled, but for the most part, it's pretty quiet and it's very quiet when the opponent is uh, doing something right. So when the Packers did something right and these guys were smashing the table and standing up and cheering, it was a, uh, it was, it was a little interesting. It was, it was very unusual to, uh, to experience because you're looking at these guys and you're like, that's a pretty important guy that's just sitting right in front of me. And, uh, and uh, I, I, it's. I just wanted to. I, I found myself like, you know, my eyes would drift towards him just to kind of see like what he was doing because 
you know, that's a part of the the business that you don't always get to do. And then you have these moments where you're like, I can't believe that they're letting me in here doing this. Right. You know, like I, I know, like, look, the Lions, uh, Eamon Reynolds over at the Lions has a has a fresh perspective on what media is. And he was the catalyst in allowing um, Jeremy and I to come on because he recognized that blogging is part of the future of media and that online and that online publications are growing all the time. I mean, look at the athletic, right? And so Eamon had the, had the, uh, the foresight to be able to say, Hey, we need to get the, a couple of these guys in at these couple of publications We'll let them run there. Uh, we'll, we'll put them on probation and we'll, and we'll make sure that they're, that they're good and that they can handle themselves. And, um, and he was a big, you know, catalyst in, in making sure that, that, uh, that, that we, we have the ability to do what we have because there, we are still, you know, emotional. We are still guys that uh, when, when I, I sit next to Jeremy at the games. And so, you know, when a lion score, Jeremy and I do a little uh, high five or a dap underneath the table, right? Because we're not supposed to celebrate, but you know, we're still, we're still fans. We're still excited. We still, uh, we still, we, we still want to acknowledge that the team's doing well. Right. So um, it's a, it's, it's a, it's so interesting. I mean, it, it's such a unique uh, perspective and and I can't thank you know uh, Eamon enough for being able to uh, open the doors for uh, you know all of us like look POD got the first credential got the first opportunity on this I, I, and so uh, there was you guys paved the way and and opened the door in in a lot of ways and I, I think it's going to grow I think there's going to be more uh, you know media outlets you know that are online only that will grow out of this but for now man you know we're kind of uh, we're getting a chance to do something that really hasn't been done in Detroit before. And that's pretty exciting. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm loving every minute of it. And, and again, yeah, you, I can't thank Eamon enough because without Eamon, the mental health series never would have happened for him to let uh, just an unknown blogger come in and talk to his players about something as important and as in-depth as uh, mental health. I mean, that's just, that's unbelievable. I can't thank him enough for, for helping me get that done. Um, and he's, he was with me like every step of the way trying to, to, to set that up. But well, you know, I'd love to continue to talk uh, more here on this segment, but we are up against a break and we do need to get to our next segment. And, and, and we, and we brought up Bob Quinn already. So I think we're going <laughs> to probably talk about old Bobby Q in the next, in the next segment. So we'll be right back. We're going to take a quick break. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. 
Real Traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back to Man Coverage. We've got Lions Wire's Eric Schlitt here today. And Eric, uh, did something happen over the weekend? Something, I don't know, <laughs> something important go down? <laughs> Obviously, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, you all know what happened. Uh, Matt Patricia, Bob Quinn were both relieved of their duties. And uh, what do we think? Where are we at, Eric? What are we thinking about this? Boy, it- <sighs> It seems like it's a long time coming, right? Um, this was a this was a regime that started out rocky, uh, stayed pretty rocky for the first uh, you know half of their their first year. Um, I think you know they started to trend in the right direction near the end of that first year. Second year started out a little bit more positive, but it was still. We're still a lot bubbling underneath the surface. Um, there's a lot going on, you know, behind the scenes. I think that that a lot of fans don't know about that. You know, the beat writers aren't going to put out publicly. Uh, maybe they will now uh, that the that the, the you know the coach and the GM are gone. But um, you know, this is it's been bubbling. You know, and I, I think you know with Stafford going down last year, you can kind of give him a pass on a lot of things. And, uh, with the COVID-19 situation, uh, you know, I, I went into this season thinking they were going to get a pass no matter what, because, you know, you don't have an off season, but when they came out doing the exact same thing that they've done over two years and, and performing the way that they had over the, exactly the same, same mistakes, same errors, same, same decision-making, that was when it really became clear to me that the writing was on the wall, that this was going to go down at some point. And uh, it was a matter of time before it happened. And so I had preached all uh, season. I thought they'd get till Thanksgiving because of the whole, you know, um, meaningful games in December mandate. And, um, you know, I, I think they got a fair shake and they weren't able to do it. And you could tell that the team was beginning to check out. And so uh, I, I, I didn't necessarily think it was going to happen this weekend, but I knew it was going to happen. It was just a matter of when. And it, I wasn't sure if they would act on it. And, and the fact that they did, I think they're trying to send a message uh, by acting on it now as opposed to waiting until the end of the season. Yeah, it it was just it it needed to happen for the, all the reasons that you mentioned. There, there was this this uh, I don't know what it was. They would not make any adjustments. They wouldn't change yeah. anything. They didn't le- they didn't learn any lessons, and that was the biggest. You have to be able to adapt. You have to be able to learn lessons if you're going to be a coach or a GM in this league. And to continue to do the same thing over and over again, it was just insane. Yeah. <laughs> and it's really it's really hard to explain to someone uh, from from the outside what's happening without saying something like, you know, they're stupid or something, because it, it's just it's in, I can't fathom what's going through their mind other than uh, it's got to be narcissism. And that's what I've thought it ha- has been the whole year. That's what I thought it's been for three years. Yeah, I've often thought that these two guys came in and the only thing they think the only thing that the Lions were ever missing was them. 
And all the success that happened in, in New England was because of them. I mean, they were born on third base and thought they hit a triple. I mean, <laughs> do you see it that way too? Or, I mean, is that just me projecting uh, or not projecting, but is that just me uh, assuming? No, I, I agree with you on most points. Um, I, I think that they bought into a system in New England that they believed in thoroughly uh, and into and, and a fault. Right. Um, they said this is what's worked. Uh, Belichick has six rings and he what he's doing is working. And like, you know, you got to remember, it's not just Belichick that comes out of the system. It's Saban. Nick Saban comes out of the system and Nick Saban's got, you know, what, six national champions or whatever it is as well. Right. So like they're looking at this formula and they're saying, if you stick with it and you do this, then that it's going then it's going to eventually pay off for you. And, you know, I, I, for Bob Quinn. I think he got kind of hamstrung at the beginning of his tenure being uh, told that he needs to keep called. Well, I don't I mean, was he told or was he just have, you know, heavily suggested, right? We don't really know. But right. the fact that he started out with Caldwell, which was a coach he didn't want, uh, I think really kind of muddled the roster, right? He, he was, uh, he, he was trying to build a team in his vision, but also trying to adapt it to Caldwell's vision. And you ended up having this mix of, you know, a, a, a decent roster with talent, but with no direction. And I think that's a lot of the reason why the Caldwell era ended the way it did was because they had been maxed out with, with the GM and the, and the coach not on the same page. They're, they were, they were headed in opposite directions that they were maxed out the way that they were. And if he would have, uh, you know, maybe started his tenure by switching right to Patricia, you know, maybe things would have been different. Maybe he, maybe year three and, uh, and, you know, or, you know, year five, I guess for Bob Quinn, if we would have got to this point with Patricia with those extra couple of years, maybe, maybe the, uh, this system would have worked by then, but maybe not, you know, maybe it would have just been, they would have been fired two years ago or something. Right. But I, I really think right. Quinn kind got kind of hamstrung at the beginning, but then Patricia, when uh, he was married to a system that he believed in to a fault. And then, um, you know, they, they turned the basically, I mean, they turned the whole roster over, you know what I mean? Like literally from, from Caldwell to the team that there is now, everything has been turned over except for uh, a, a couple of players like Matt Stafford and Molbach. And I, and I, there might be somebody else, but that's pretty much it. Right. Um, uh, maybe, um, maybe Prater, right. I'm trying, I don't have the, uh, you know, that in front of me, but um, the roster has been, you know, gutted essentially and built in his, in his, in, in, in Patricia's image. Right. And he wants it to be this way. And maybe it takes time for those results to come, but when you just keep doing that the the same concepts and you're unwilling to adapt it, it it's uh it, it really showed that this this regime was going the wrong direction very quickly like they could game plan like extraordinarily well like that's why they jumped out to leads so often that's why they gained we're up double digit points on a lot of teams this year because they had great game plans but then as you mentioned they couldn't adjust uh, to save themselves. Right. And, and that's really what, what caught them. He, when they needed to adjust and remember, you've built this whole roster on the concept of adjusting. And when you came time to adjust, all he did was fall back on these old habits. And then when you fall back on these old habits that don't work, the team, uh, you know, ends up spiraling and then you can't get out of the spiral. And then it's loss after loss, after loss, after loss. And, and, 
you would think from from a, a, a bad loss to the next week, he would learn, okay, I can't fall back on these old habits. But he did. He just kept falling. He kept going back to the same concepts that weren't working. And he was expecting those different results, right? So there's a lot of things that go into the downfall of any regime. But at its core, it, it really, I, I use the word stubbornness. You, you use narcissism. I mean, I think we're in the same ballpark in, in that like, they had this idea that they could get something to work if they just kept doing it and um, it just, you know, it didn't like, it's like, um, it's like the, uh, the Denzel uh, Washington movie, the, uh, the football movie where um, he says, it's the like, Titans. yes, it's, he's, it's yeah. the veer. Just keep running the veer. Eventually it's like Novocaine eventually to work. Well, look, no, it, it doesn't work. You got to adapt. And he, and his unwillingness to adapt is really what got him shown the door. Yeah. That, no, that's, I mean, that's, yeah, I like the way you say it. I like the way I say it. I I think we're both on the same page. Yeah, I do have to sort of combat the idea that uh, Bob Quinn was was hamstrung, and I will I will agree uh, to some effect that yes, um, early on, whether or not he was forced to take Caldwell, we'll never really truly know that. Um, I'm sure it'll come out ten years from now <laughs> in an interview somewhere. Uh, but I I think that. Um, you know, he still had three years with Patricia to, tr- to two and a half to, f- to figure it out. He had three drafts. He had three free agencies and he still didn't make the right decisions. It, it seemed to me like he car- uh, compartmentalized a lot. Like, you know, two years ago, there was a lot of issues with the Lions, but it seemed like he spent the entire summer just trying to work on the run game and just ignored everything else. And the year before that, he spent the entire summer trying to work on the offensive line and just ignored everything else. So it, you, you get to the point where it's like, you know, this past off season, it was stipulated. Everyone knew the lions are the worst pass rush in the league, or at least one of the worst. They need somebody on this team that can get to the quarterback. And it was ignored constantly. He didn't do anything in free agency. He, he, he did nothing, barely nothing into the draft. I mean, they drafted Julian Aquara. Where is he? Couldn't tell you. Uh, I mean, there, there's a lot of issues. <laughs> where, uh, well, where was he before that? Right. You know, uh, there, there's been a lot of issues with, with with things like that. Just kind of, and that's where I come with you know. And again, maybe this is just the fan to- in me talking, but that's mm. where I come again with the whole idea of these are the smartest guys in the room. That's what they are sure of. <laughs> well, things well, are me- just going to work out because we're super smart. Well, let me clarify it. When I say uh, that I when, when I said that I thought Quinn was hamstrung, I meant from his perspective, like he felt like he wasn't okay. able to build that roster. Like I said, he he kind of built an in-between type roster. Right. And so um, but I do agree with you, like the whole how you win in the NFL is is you you draft a player, you develop the player and then you sign and keep the player. Right. And then. They had this the, the, the thing that really broke me. Uh, was the Graham Glasgow situation and rotating him when he was a, a multi-year starter who had done very well. Uh, he was considered in the top half of the league in, in as far as guards or centers. It didn't matter, right? Um, they started rotating him because they wanted to get Kenny Wiggins experience. Kenny Wiggins, uh, free agent Kenny Wiggins, who is, you know, not employed. And um, 
they wanted to get him involved because they had this concept of an idea that they wanted to do a guard rotation and I didn't want to invest money at that position. And I understand the concept of not wanting to overpay at certain positions that you don't value. And that's fine. But you can't develop somebody and then discard them that when you've invested all of that time into it, it's like, it, it just, it, 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 that's not how you win in the NFL, right? Like imagine if they would have signed and kept Glasgow and their offensive line was Decker, Jackson, Rag, uh, Frank Ragnow, Glasgow. And then who cares? Tyrell Crosby is playing better than the other available guys that are on the team. Like that's a better offensive line than you have now. And, and if you have a better offensive line, then you're going to have more success in the other areas you want. What the, the maddening thing, I guess, with this roster was that what they said they wanted to do seemed very counteractive to what they were doing, right? They said you build by winning in the trenches and then they let Graham Glasgow walk. You build by getting pressure on the quarterback, but then you don't bring in a uh, pass rush or you rely on linebackers playing the Jack position who aren't getting pressure. Um, whether it's Devin Kennard or Christian Jones or Aquara is still too young. Like there's, what they preached was not what they did. And there, that was a massive disconnect. Uh, and it was on both sides of the ball, right? And and that was the, the real problem that I – those were the real, like, red flags with me going, okay, I, I, I like what Quinn has done in certain areas and I like what he's done with the cap, but he's not – the, the, it's like the left hand didn't know what the right hand was doing here. And I'm, and I was really worried uh, that, that this season would have gone in the wrong direction, you know, based on, you know, that, that disconnect. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's again. Um, yeah. That's, that was the problem. There's, there was clearly <laughs> an idea, but a very, very bad. Uh, uh, they didn't lay out that idea very well. They didn't, um, What's the word I'm trying? Execution. There was a yeah. poor execution. Yeah. Um, on top of all the things that you're seeing on the field, there's clearly some toxicity going on off the field. Sure. And we we've often thought that well, we know we know how bad that first year was. It was yeah. it was really bad. And guys like Ashawn Robinson and the, what he said the other day about Patricia trying to take his career. Um, that's just incredibly messed up. Uh, but the idea that we were uh, under was that things had gotten better over the last two years in terms of the toxicity. But but then on you know Saturday you get you know, Matt Patricia's fired, Bob Quinn's let go as well, and Kenny Galladay, current Lions wide receiver Kenny Galladay, is liking it on Instagram. So clearly there's some more issues underlying there than than we thought before, which. I think when you start to think about that and you start to look at the on-field product and the way that some of the players are acting on the field that you can see, even Matthew Stafford, you could tell that there was definitely a level of unhappiness there all around. And and it seemed like nobody was having any fun at all. And that's a problem. What yeah, are your I think, thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, look, losing losing makes things harder, right? And um when you get out to a lead and then it goes away, that 
is that takes a bigger toll on you, I think, than if you just get waxed right from the beginning, right? Like, I, I think losing that Bears game and then losing uh, – it, it was worse than losing that Green Bay game where they just went into Green Bay and Green Bay just, you know, put it to them. And they were – they. I think they walked away from that Green Bay game going, okay, yo, we're, look, we're not good enough. But I, whereas the Bears game, it's more emotionally training because you could have won it, right? Um, and so – so there's a lot of this – there's just a lot of that taxing uh, emotion that gets to these players. And, and you can, now this year we haven't been able to see the locker room, but in, in years past, you can see how that wears on the players as the season goes on. Right. Um, players, uh, they start ducking you, right. They, st- um, the locker room. Yeah. Well, look, Aishan, Aishan was Aishan. You don't want to, I mean, he, he just was what he was. Right. Um, but there were guys that, you know, were consistently there, uh, for the first half of the year that all of a sudden were just nowhere to be found. Right. And so what it ended up happening was, uh, it, it put younger guys in the spotlight and put them on the spot to try and answer questions for, you know, why, what, what the problems were. Right. So, you know, not a lot of people like Ricky Jean Francois, but that guy would stand in front of the media and he would say, this is what it is. This is what's right. This is what's wrong. And, and like, he was, he was very much a professional in that manner. Uh, but then there was a lot of guys that would just duck out because they didn't want to have to try and explain the problems. And, and you would see it at the end of the year, like the locker room would go from being, you know, your, your 53 guys at the beginning of the year, by the end of the year, it's like, you got like 20 guys and most of them are rookies. And that's because the players just didn't want to have to come out. And, and some of them would, and some of them would try and uh, they, you know, maybe they'd brush you aside and they'd say, Hey, get back to me. Or, you know, they just, you know, that they, they didn't time it well where they could avoid us. But um, you could see it. You can, you, I mean, you can see it in their eyes, uh, even though their, their words, you know, a lot of the times are, are, you know, we're trying to do this. We're trying to do that. You know, you can see, uh, you can see like, you know, that body language is two thirds, right. Of all communication. Right? And you can see just the way they carried themselves or the way they answer questions. Like, um, they just, uh, you, you start to, to lose that emotion. You, as you get to a point where you're like, you know, once you're out of the playoffs and you're starting to lose more games, it's, uh, I mean, what are these guys playing for? If they, if they're not playing for a contract or they're not a young guy who's trying to earn a job, um, there's no reason for a lot of these veterans to want to stick around on when the, the, you're losing the way that they were losing the last couple of years. So, um, you know, I, I've talked to a couple of guys that probably said some things they shouldn't have, uh, you know, um, but there's there's some, uh, you know, there's a lot of a, you, as much as we want these, you know, players to be, um, you know, these like hardened pe- people, they're, they're still people, you know what I mean? They're still mad when they lose, like they still have things going on outside of the football world. And, and it's been, you know, that's, that's been a real eye opener for me. Like it, these aren't Madden video game players, you know what I mean? Like these aren't guys that, you know, you're going to cut and trade and all that stuff like you would in Madden. Like these are actual real people that have real things going on in their lives. And, and, and sometimes the expectations that are put on them, are unfair. And I mean, that's part of the job, but it, it, 
it definitely losing the way that they have it, it wears on them and it became, it becomes harder. And then when you have, you know, all these rumors about other stuff going on behind the scenes, you know, the way that coach, that a coach or, you know, multiple coaches are, are treating them. It's gotta be hard to go to work. Right. Like it's like my first job out of college um, was in Hawaii. Right. I lived in Hawaii for a year and uh, everyone always says to me, why did you ever come home from that job in Hawaii? Well, my job in Hawaii was terrible and it was so bad that I wanted to leave there. Like if, if your environment is not mental, if it mentally wears you down, you check out, like there's nothing like it's just human nature. Right. And, and, and unfortunately a lot of these guys get put through that and, and losing in the fashion that we have, I know I keep harping on this point, but it wears on these guys. And that's just a, that's a human nature thing. Well, I want to uh, take a quick break and then I, we're going to come back. Usually we'll go to the, uh, the lightning round segment, but I, I just want to spend a couple more minutes talking about uh, obviously big news here uh, yeah. that happened this week. So uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to Man Coverage with uh, Mike Payton. I, we, today we've got Eric Schlitt with us. Uh, we're talking about everything that's just happened over these past few days with uh, Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia uh, being relieved of their duties. Uh, normally we would go directly into the lightning round, but first I just want to I want to spend a few minutes here uh, talking about Monday's presser with with uh, Daryl Bevel um, and not so much Matthew Stafford because right now. You know, Matthew Stafford talk is is it is what it is. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about Daryl Bevel because I came away from that presser uh suddenly like in a good mood <laughs> and optimistic about the next five games when like hell on earth had was was going on previous to to Saturday. Suddenly, I feel like we can make the playoffs. <laughs> it's like crazy. I don't know right. why, but w- what are your thoughts on Daryl Bevel? Because it, it seems like the guy has something to 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 sh- he wants to prove, and he's got something up his sleeve. Like it, this could be fun. Yeah, I, I think whenever a team moves on from their coach, there's a honeymoon period, and uh, we we've seen that. And uh, in Atlanta, we've seen that in Houston and, and, and Houston has and Houston and Atlanta have both been able to kind of uh, they went back down to a lull and they've been able to, you know, find success again. But uh, typically you have that you have that wave with the new head coach. And so, um, you know, he wants to be he wants to try and lighten the mood. He wants to try and be a little bit more fun uh, and, and, right. and less stringent on, on the players. And I, and I think that's a hundred percent the right way to approach this because as we've just talked about in the last segment, these players are worn out and, and you need to be able to, to let them loose, right? You need to be able to let them, you know, work some things out, get back to having fun, get back to some basic stuff. He's creative enough that he can work in a couple of trick plays, which the players are going to, you know, get behind as well. Um, I think the bears game is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I think, I think, I think post bears game, 
The schedule is going to get real hard. The honeymoon phase is going to come to an end real fast. And then it's and then we're really going to see, you know, what do we have left with this team? And what do we have in a coach like Daryl Bevel? Because uh, I I like Daryl Bevel and I think he's a, uh, you know, he's a decent coordinator and he's fallen into some traps, but a lot of the traps that he fell into were similar traps that Cooter fell into. And the common denominator is, uh, was Patricia, right? And he, and his overall concept of wanting to establish a run or, uh, you know, control the ball or, or, you know, X, Y, and Z. Right. So, um, you know, I think when you when you look at Bevel and what he's how he's presented himself all year, this has been the Bevel that that we've seen. You know, Bevel and Unlin as coordinators, they've been a lot, you know, more relaxed than than Patricia has been, and I think you were afforded that as, as a coordinator. And, and and Combs is the same way. I mean, Combs is like he, he's unreal to talk to. He's amazing, um, right. but it's it's nice to see that Bevel hasn't. Um, you know, fallen into the trap of I got to be the guy in charge and I got to establish myself and I got to take the reins and go like he's he's kind of kept that similar approach of, OK, this is what we're going to do. And, and let's, you know, let's have a little bit more fun. And and I think that's the right attitude. I think that's the the absolute right approach that you're going to have. And he's going to get a chance to really prove himself. And when you look at a lot of the GMs that are out there, and you look at a lot of the the hot name coaches that are out there. A, a lot of them have ties to Bevel, and so um, I don't think you know. I, I think Bevel is auditioning for you know a job as a potential you know head coach candidate, but I think he's also auditioning for a job of saying, "Hey, I'm still a good offensive coordinator, and I've been doing this a long time." So there's a lot going on with Bevel right now. And that's why I think he still wants to call the plays. That's why he, you know, I, I think he still wants to be able to put himself on a showcase and say, you know, this is what I'm about. And, and, and I want to show that I can be this, but I can also be a little bit more. So it's, um, it's going to be neat to watch. I think the Chicago game is going to be a lot of fun. And, and so that's really where my focus is now. Let's see how they do in Chicago. And then, you know, we'll uh, adjust our perspectives after that. Well, just being, you know, the optimist that I always tend to be, <laughs> I, uh, I can't help, but look, look, odds are none of this is going to happen, right? We're talking, <laughs> we're looking at mock drafts in January. Sure. You know, we're going to go with the status quo as we understand it's going to be. But I think that there's a great possibility that whatever was holding down this offense is gone now. It was Matt Patricia. It was his idea to establish the run. It was his idea to do to handicap Matthew Stafford and to do all the things that he was doing. So in my mind, you know, when I start thinking too much, uh, I start thinking that, well, maybe this offense is about to be unlocked. And I don't want to get anybody excited right now. I really don't. I try <laughs> not to be excited myself. But my 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 thoughts are, I can't help but think that the offense the offense is about to be unlocked and that could make up for a lot of the woes that the defense is still going to have. And that I'm not, I don't think it's completely out of the realm of the of possibility that the lions can beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think they're going to have a hell of a time with the Titans. I think they're going to have a hell of a time with the, with the Packers, but I see a, a pathway for them to beat the, the bears, to beat the, uh, the, the Vikings, to beat the, the Buccaneers. And even 
you know, just throwing it all, throwing all caution to the wind, Eric. <laughs> maybe they could beat the Titans. Maybe they could beat the Packers. Maybe they could go on a run is what I'm trying to say. Maybe you, you see this sort of thing. It happens sometimes. Sure. It, all it takes is a flip of a switch and teams get hot. I always bring up the, the New York Giants that beat the, uh, the New England Patriots, the undefeated New England Patriots. That team was not going to make the playoffs. They got hot at the right time. I'm not saying the Lions are going to win the Super Bowl. I'm saying they, they got hot <laughs> at the right time. They made the playoffs. They turned everything around. This could be one of those switch-flipping moments. What do you think? I think you're going to, you're going to see it in Chicago. I think you're going to see uh, a, a, a more aggressive, more willing to put the ball up offense in Chicago. And um, you look at Chicago and you say, hey, I can probably outscore Chicago's offense because Chicago is headed in the wrong direction as well. So um, oh, yeah. now what do you do after that? Right. That that's where it gets complicated. Right. Um, I, I like I, like I said, the Chicago game is going to be fun. The problem is, is Green Bay is just so good and the Titans are just so good. Um, in my, I'm not sure even if you have, you know, an offense that can put up 40 points. I don't know if your defense can stop either of those teams from putting up 40 points. Like that, that's my you know concern is that this defense is still going to be what it is. And as much as people are expecting Unlin to like all of a sudden revive this, this defense into something, I, I think that's hopeful, right? Uh, nothing has given me an indicator that this isn't going to be the same defense that we've seen. Um, you know, even if they wanted to go into a, a more four down lineman, which they we've seen more recently, right? Um, you don't have a lot of defensive ends. You still only have a couple of them, right? Like you don't. There's so many injured players right now. They don't have the defense of. Uh, they don't have. They're injured at the wrong spots where they can't adjust the defense a whole lot more than they want to. Now, can they get healthy? Can they get hot? Can they go on a run? I mean, look in the NFL, anybody can beat anybody, and and. Um, but this is a tough, tough stretch. That last month, those last four games, my goodness, uh, it, it looks very daunting. Um, so I, I'm not as optimistic as you. I, I want I, – I'm a generally optimistic person. And uh, like I said, we'll recess after the Bears. I think the Bears games, game will be fun. And it would be nice to be able to exact a little revenge on, on them. And I'm sure DeAndre Swift will yeah. come, come out motivated. But um, – I, I I still look at the, the schedule and, and I'm concerned because those teams are, are, are awfully good teams uh, after, after the bears. All right. Well, we're going to see what happens. We're going to yep. see what happens, but let's get to the, let's get to the lightning round here, Eric. Uh, this is a supersized episode for everybody <laughs> listening. This is a long, a long one here, uh, which I hope everybody enjoys. But uh, let's get to the let's get to the lightning round. So we're going to start you off. You know how this goes. It's ten questions. Some of them are food related, football related, entertainment. Um, let's get the first one to you here. What are you watching right now? What are you streaming on Netflix when the kids are down in bed? What do you What do you What's your show you're getting into right now? Um, I'm a true guy, true crime guy. So I just watched um, the uh, the Nexium series on HBO. The uh, oh. That was a lot of fun. I just finished that not too long ago. Um, 
that's what I watch when I'm up in the middle of the night as I'm trying to rock the baby back to sleep. Yes, The Vow is a very, wow. very yes. fun show. Well, it's not fun. Fascinating. It's very upsetting. Yes. But it's good. Uh, to, for, for a nice recommendation, sounds like you have HBO or HBO Max. Yep. Uh, Murder on Middle Beach is their new uh, uh, yes. murder show. So good. I'm so, logging so them in. Good. I got them on the DVR. Yeah, really, really good. They, there's, it's only a four-parter, uh, and, okay. and the third part came out on Sunday. But, yeah, it's so, so good. Um, who's your favorite football player ever? Jeez, um, probably Barry. I mean, like, uh, that was really my introduction to the league, right? I told you, Randall, uh, um, um, that um, Rodney Pete is the one who got Rodney. me in there. Yeah, but it was really – I mean, when you watch what Barry could do, it was – I mean, I don't know how you it, – it's tough to move away from him. I, I it's he's What he could do is phenomenal. Yeah, I mean that's he's been he's been a lot of guys' choices yeah. here. And I mean it's hard not to. He'd probably be mine too. He'd probably be mine too. Um, Backstreet Boys are in sync. <laughs> uh, I didn't listen to either. I'm sorry, but I'll, I'll take my sister listened to Backstreet Boys. If that if you need an answer, I'll go with that one because she liked that. But I didn't listen to either. All right, so who's your boy band? Is it New Edition, New Kids on the Block? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I mean. Um, Jeez, Boys of Men, maybe? Does that count? Okay, yeah. Oh, that does count. Yeah, great. Go. That's a good choice. Boys of Men. Uh, dogs or cats? Dogs. I have two. Okay. What's your favorite movie? Um, The Princess Bride. Yeah, it's a good movie. That's a good one. I like that choice. <clears throat> All right, so every week I put uh, my guests through a scenario – and obviously, Eric, you'll be no different. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to put you on the, uh, let's see. I'm going to put you right on the 50. I'm going to put you right on the 50-yard line. You've got 28 seconds left, one timeout. And you've got the 1991 Detroit Lions with, <laughs> of course, your boy Rodney Pete. Down six. How are you going to win? I mean, you got to go to Herman, right? You, you, you've got to find a way to scheme Herman open. Uh, I'd, I'd try and run some sort of, some sort of crossers on the outside. Like I get, get Perryman on the outside. It's, I'd try and get Herman in the slot, and then I'd try and cross him over so that I can get the ball up to Herman uh, near the sidelines, right? I try and confuse the DBs a little bit, even if they stay back in zone. I'm still trying to get uh, some deception with Herman to get the ball close to the sidelines to try and save my timeout. Um, and then, you know, we'll see how close I get from there. Right. Um, Barry was never a guy that they utilized in the backfield a lot, but you've, you've got receivers on that team. So, um, I, I, I would heavily find a way to, uh, to start trying to lean on Herman more there. Um, once you get down to like that 20, then everything's open, right? Then you start looking at the center of the field because a lot of the times defenses are creatures of habit and they're still going to, you know, try and diverge to the corner, to the sidelines a little bit. That's when you just, you need to start attacking the middle a little bit. Basically what I would try and do is I would move Herman to a spot that they weren't expecting and then try and get him into positions where he's matched up against guys that, um, you know, aren't as big or as talented as he is. All right. I like it. Go to Herman Moore. You know, interesting. Herman Moore also said that you should go to Herman Moore. <laughs> so, 
so if you could be a pro athlete, what sport would you play? Jeez. Uh, As a kid, I would have said soccer, but I would probably say football now. It's really been the better part of my life. I've been a, a football guy. So that, I mean, that's where I, that's where I would live. Um, I was always a, you know, a receiver defensive back type of guy. So like I, tr- I would probably try and stay, I don't know. I, I, I liked the glory. So maybe I'd stay as a receiver. I, that was always fun for me. Okay. I like it. Uh, what are your go-to pizza toppings? Now, Tread lightly here. <laughs> um, so I always got to get pepperoni for the kids, but um, my favorite pizza topping is green pepper. I'm a, I'm a big fan of green pepper. And so typically when you get that green pepper mixed in, you're either mixing it, you're mixing it with some sort of meat other than pepperoni. So you're getting like a ham or like a sausage, maybe a bacon, maybe a combination or all three. Um, but I, if I can have my, uh, my way with it, with one topping, I'm going to get that green pepper on there and then I'll start adding the meat in, uh, accordingly. Okay. I uh, will accept it as long as it's not <laughs> pineapple. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Two more questions here. Nike or Adidas? Adidas. Um, I will wear more Adidas clothing, shoes, outfit. It all fits me better. I can. I. I think the pair of shoes they wear on the regular are Nikes, but my overall uh, look is more Adidas based. All right. Okay. I like it. All right. This is it, Eric. You know what the question is. I think you know what the question is. This is the big one. This is. You know how important this is to me. Uh, our quarterback wins real. No, I mean, look, we know that, Mike. We go way back. We we've we have boasted about this for for a while. I have come into I've come to defense of you on this topic uh, uh, multiple times before. Uh, yes, we we know the quarterback wins are not real. Um, they are a uh, it, you know it's it, this is a team game. This is more of a team game than any other of the team sports that are out there, and um, you know it's it's something that. You know, we it's it, we we take a baseball analogy and try and put it into a, a different sport, and it does it doesn't make sense. I get the concept that he touches the ball all the more. I get all the arguments that that uh, it's important, but look, it it's not a real stat. It's just uh, something that we make up to try and place value uh, on a position. Couldn't have said it any better. That's beautiful. <laughs> we're, we're on a pretty good streak. I think only one guy has said it was real. It was it was Chris Burke. Oh, oh I'm, st- I'm still upset. Chris. I'm still upset with Chris <laughs> over that one. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, hey, Eric, I, I want to thank you for coming on, man. I, I've taken up a lot of your time tonight, and I appreciate you talking with me. And it's always a, always a pleasure. And uh, do you have anything you want to plug before we get out of here? No, I, you know, I think anybody that's listening to us kind of knows who we are. Um, you know, we go back, you know, look, we go back before POD, before Lions Wire was even a, a thought process in USA Today's imagination. So, um, you know, we've been, we've been, we've been buds for a while, you know, um, like you said at the top, you know, we've, we've hung out, we've had meals together. Um, I think if people, 
are, are, are tuning in to try and listen to, you know, to, to, to either of us, they probably know who, who we are. Like, I, I don't think anybody who knows me doesn't know you and, and, and vice versa. Right. So, yeah. uh, you know, no need to plug anything. All right. I dig it. I dig it. Well, again, thanks for coming on. And, uh, you know, when this pandemic passes, uh, <laughs> you know, I'll buy you a beer. And uh, we'll yeah. get to we'll get to you, see each other again, hang you, out. And, you've been you've been trying to get in my pool for a while, right? We got to get. And I will, pool. I will, <laughs> I will get in that pool. <laughs> yep, it's it's gonna be there, man. It's it's uh it's uh it, it's a bit it's it's a necessary thing with kids. So yeah, I'm, uh, we got to get this pandemic out of the way, and then uh, you know we'll have some people over and uh, and and go for some swims. Yep. Sounds good to me, man. Well, all right, everybody. Thanks for listening this week, and uh, we will see you next week. We got another great guest coming, so see you then. to do's less time and an infinite number of tools to keep track of sometimes doing business has never felt harder but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals you can just use hubspot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier imagine this high quality leads fast closing deals wildly happy customers and more benchmark breaking quarters it's not a miracle it's hubspot visit hubspot.com to get started today Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.